You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. Today we're starting a brand new sermon series on the New Testament book of James. And the title for the sermon series is A Faith That Works. You see, faith is what you believe in here, but it's also how you behave out there. So this means we've got stuff to do. We've got work to do and faith works. Now this book was written by Jesus's brother, his kid brother, James. And if you think for a moment, would it be awesome to be Jesus's brother? Yes and no. Yes, it would be awesome. But would there be a downside if you think about it? You're arguing with Jesus, and every time you're arguing with Jesus, guess whose fault it is? Like Mary's in the other room cooking dinner, and she says, boys, I hear something going on. And James is like, yeah, yeah, me and Jesus just aren't getting along. Well, James, I'm busy right now. Just punish yourself because you know whose fault it is. But mom, oh, that's right. He's the perfect one. (laughs) Yeah, he is. But no one knows you like your family. Think about it, Jesus and James. They shared a, a bedroom. They did weekends together. They shot hoops together. They did life together. And here is James worshiping his brother as his Lord and Savior. And he's going to tell us that life has trials, pains, problems, struggles. And you've got to find God over them. You've got to find joy in them. And you've got to find wisdom through them. That's what he wants to talk to us about today. And we're going to spend our time together on it as we open up the book of James, chapter 1, verse 1. And it starts this way. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls his big brother, Jesus, his Lord. How many of you would not call your brother Lord? How many of you would not worship your brother as God? Now, you may testify in court that he's Satan, but you would not worship him as God. James knows Jesus. If Jesus weren't perfect, he would tell us. If Jesus didn't declare himself to be God, James wouldn't believe that. If Jesus had not risen from the dead, James wouldn't follow him. Here's his introduction one more time. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the next part of that verse says, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greeting. So he's writing to those who are dispersed. The reason why they're dispersed is because of the persecution that's mentioned in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. So the believers had to scatter. The person writing this is James, Jesus' little brother. Now, some of you were raised Catholic, and if you were raised Catholic, then you are told that Mary is forever virgin. So, this is true that she was virgin when Jesus was born, but Matthew tells us that Joseph did not consummate his marriage with Mary until after Jesus was born. 
But what that means is that after Jesus is born, they had a normal marriage and lots of kids. It says in Mark 6 that others spoke of Jesus and his family, and, he, and they named four brothers. There was James, Joseph, Judas, or Jude, and Simon. And they also mention that Jesus has sisters as well. But what's interesting with James is that he doesn't start out by having a good, healthy relationship with Jesus. We're told in John 7, 5 that his brothers didn't believe in him. That includes James. Mark 3, 21 tells us that they thought Jesus was out of his mind. The point is this. You may be here and you don't know who Jesus really is. Maybe you know about him, but you don't know who Jesus really is. That's where we all start. That's where James started. The good news is that though James's relationship with Jesus started poorly, it ended well. And that's my prayer for you. You may have heard about Jesus, but you may not have fully received him yet as Lord and Savior. But that's why you're here. This is part of your journey, coming to understand who Jesus is and what he does. Everything changes for James when Jesus resurrects from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that after his resurrection, Jesus specifically found his brother James. That had to be quite a day. And I hope the first thing James said was, sorry, I mean, he didn't believe that Jesus was God. He, he didn't think that he would rise from the dead. But as soon as he rose from the dead, James knew that he was God. Because only God can forgive sins. Only God can defeat death. We read in Acts chapter 1 that all the first Christians gathered together after Jesus' resurrection. And we're told that Mary was there, his mother, to worship. And so were his brothers. James is there. And by the time the Apostle Paul writes his letter to the Galatians, James is a leader of the early church. The point is, if your relationship with Jesus has started poorly, by God's grace, like James, it can end very, very well. Now, just for a moment, get your heart and mind around this family and just consider what James could have said regarding himself. What he says is, James, a servant of the Lord. <laughs> How many of you would have added a little more? Like, I'm James. Maybe you've heard of my mother, Mary. Oh, and my big brother? Yeah, he's Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, this family is extraordinary. In addition to Mary and Joseph, there's James. There's another brother, Jude, who also writes a book of the New Testament. So they have two sons who write books of the Bible and one who's God, that's a pretty great family. <laughs> James could have said, I'm James, we're a big deal. Instead, what he says is, my name is James and I'm a servant of Jesus my Lord. And then he goes on and he says, consider it pure Joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, 
Consider it joy whenever you face trials of many kind. It doesn't say if you face trials, when. So it's not a question of if you'll face trials, but when you face the next one, consider it joy because you know this is a guarantee, this is certainty, this is a promise. You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. What he's talking about here is finding joy in the midst of our trials. Our trials come up. That's when God's help comes down. That's what he's saying. Trials come up from this world. These are trials that come at you, upon you. Next week, we'll talk about trials that are our fault, that we bring on ourselves. But here, these are trials just because... We live in a broken, flawed, fallen world. And what he says is, if you yield and submit to the Holy Spirit, when that trial comes, it will be for you a test. And the test is something you take so that you can graduate. We've all been in school. In school, you're like, okay, I've got to take this test. I've got to pass this test in order to graduate. Like, Life is a class that's always in session, and every season has its test. And if you pass that test, you can graduate to the next level of maturity. Now, the good news is, even if you fail your test with God, He will allow you to retake it. With James, throughout Jesus' early life, James kept failing his test. He needed to know who Jesus truly was and and surround him with support and encouragement, and he failed. But God was gracious. And James kept taking the test until he passed the test. God is gracious with you and me, and just because you failed the test in the past doesn't mean that God is done with you. So for a moment, think about trials, problems, difficulties, struggles. What are you dealing with? Because every person is constantly dealing with trials, be they big or small. For how many of you right now, it's financial, like things are really tough. For how many of you right now, it's spiritual. You know God loves you, but you're not feeling it. For how many of you right now, your struggle, your trial is emotional, you're just anxious. You're, you're tired. You're worn out. Maybe your trial, your struggle right now is relational. There's people that you love and know, but it, it's broken. It's complicated. There's distance. The question is, how are you going to find joy in the midst of all that? I mean, that's tough, Right? But what James is saying, he's talking about finding joy in your trial. Now, the trial itself may not be a gift, but it could be used of God as a blessing to you if you receive it and use it. Let me tell you a few things that trials do for us. Number one, they strip away all other objects that we might be counting on for faith and putting our trust in. Sometimes you don't even know it. You can say, you know what? I, I was leaning on my parents and their faith until something happened to them. I was 
counting so much on my health until I got sick. You know, as long as I had money in the bank, I was good, but man, it's gone and I'm a wreck. So what happens when trials come? People and things that we put our faith in are removed. They're shaken. And it reveals to us that the only thing or person that's not removed or shaken or shaken is God. Another thing that trials do is they reveal our true selves. And this can be positive or negative. Negatively, some of you are under pressure, some of you are in a trial, and you kind of are shocked by what you find out you truly are, and it's not good. You're like, I found out in this trial I'm a very angry person. I'm a fearful person. I'm mad at God as if he sinned against me, and I'm taking it out on my spouse and my friends, my kids. Is that who I really am? Okay, Lord, this is a hard revelation, but it can change. And I can pray the prayer that King David prayed in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. But sometimes that pressure reveals a part of your true self that comes out, and it's shockingly positive, like, I prayed for an enemy. Who would have thought? The Holy Spirit is working through you sometimes in trials in ways that are supernatural and unusual. Another thing that trials do, they remind us that something has gone terribly wrong with this world and someone needs to fix it. That there's nowhere we can go that doesn't have the curse of the fall that leads to brokenness and death, and it's everywhere. And we have this God-sized problem, but the hope of every believer is this. This is as close to hell as you will ever get. Because Jesus is coming. He's going to lift the curse. He's going to raise the dead. He's going to heal the sick. There won't be any more elections. I mean, it's going to be great forever. But until Jesus comes, we're still in the middle of the mess that we've made and sometimes trials just remind you, I'm not in heaven yet. And here he talks about a trial, a, a test. It's the testing of your faith. Your trial is the testing of your faith. And there are some ways to fail that test. Let me go through them briefly. And as, as I talk about these, don't raise your hand. If it's your spouse, don't raise their hand. It's just between you and the Lord, okay? Some of you, when a trial comes, you're the avoider. I don't do conflict. I don't do problems. I don't do hardships. I avoid them. Some of you are not the avoider. You're the fixer. You're like, I'll fix it. Whatever the problem is, I'll fix it. We'll make it better. Then we'll just be happy and move on. Some of you are the worrier. Everything is bad. The sky is falling. It's like, I'm not even sure God's going to show up. Well, of course you're going to freak out then. But hey, freaking out is not a fruit of the Spirit. I am not saying don't take life seriously. What I am saying is that we know who meets us on the other side of this life. 
And so it changes how we view this life. We have a Lord over this life because he's been through this life. And rather than worrying, which is not doing anything, it's just using up your energy. Let's worship the one who is over it than worrying about how we're going to get through it. So I know you all are all going through something. And some of you, what you're going through is that which is traumatic and overwhelming and catastrophic. And it is for you a trial and a test. But God wants you to pass that test so you can graduate to the next level of maturity. And the only way to graduate is to learn to rejoice. The world knows nothing of this because the world doesn't know God. There's a little line in the Bible that will change your life if you will receive it and embrace it and apply it. It's from Philippians 4.4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. The reason why the world can't rejoice is because it doesn't have the Lord. You see, we don't rejoice in the ways of the world. We rejoice in the Lord to get us through the world. It may not change your circumstances, but it will change you as you go through things. Now, the really big question is how can we have that assurance? How do we know it's true? Because Jesus has been through every trial. And because of him, we have a God who sympathizes and identifies with us. And so we can talk to him and invite him into our situation. And he understands where we are because he's been where we are. And your trial is an opportunity for him to prove his faithfulness and for you to prove your faith in his faithfulness. All right, so let's move on. Verse four, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And what he's saying is that when God is done with you, there will be a perfect version of you. And these trials are a part of that process to get you toward maturity and completeness. And then he says, if you lack, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. See, there's a God over it. And he'll give you joy in it and he'll give you wisdom through it. Things get darker you're going to need to go deeper. As you have more problems, you're going to need more prayer. And when you don't know what to do, God should not be the last person you talk to. You should ask God. You should pray to God. You should run to God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. He's saying that your father is a generous father. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Here's what he's saying. 
when trials come that you've not been through before, this is new for you, this is your first time going through it, you're going to need God to take you by the hand like a parent to a child and walk you through. And you want to know what wisdom is in that moment? It's you opening the word, being in the word. You need to know the truth. God will use this to transform your life and your mindset. And it may not change what happens out there. But God will use his word to change who you are in here. I'm not asking you to live in denial. Your struggles are real. But you need to go to the one who heals those hurts. So how is your time with God's word? Secondly, prayer. He says, ask God. You're going to need to ask God some things and then listen for him to tell you what he's teaching you. Remember, God is a father who is generous to all without finding fault. And let me say this. We're going to rejoice because our God is Jesus Christ. Our God made this world. Our God visited this world. Our God lived without any sin and he suffered because he lived. He loved us so much that he chose to go through what we would go through. To die for us, to rise for us to go on to his kingdom, to prepare a place for us, to send the spirit to lead us and guide us and encourage us to give us his word, to give us his spirit, to give us his people, to give us his peace, to give us his hope, to give us a promise of eternity that is our gift by knowing Jesus Christ. He is faithful. And he will be until the day of his return when he will resurrect all believers from the dead and our trials are no more, our tears are no more, our problems are no more because our God returns to claim everyone and everything that belongs to him. If you've never given your life to Jesus, this could be the day of your salvation. You need God over your life. You need joy in your life. You need wisdom through your life. And that can only come from a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to turn from your sin and to turn to Jesus and trust him, showing that it doesn't matter what you're going through. Jesus went through it for you, and Jesus will go through it with you. And I can promise you, he's going to bring you through to the other side. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.